Hello and welcome to episode 70 of What Most People Think. I hope hope you had a great Christmas. I hope you had, how was it? Was it alright? Was it a good chance? Finally a chance to just sit at home, you know, just relax and watch some telly because, you know, 2020 I've just been out and about, buzzing about. It was finally a chance to lock down in my own home. My God, we've, we'd had enough of that, hadn't it? I mean, there was definitely this year of all years, the novelty of being able to sit in your house was uh, wore a bit thin, you know? And it does seem, as we talk, how many times have I said that at the beginning of these podcasts, that we are, there's going to be some sort of, well, there's going to be another lockdown, isn't it? Because cases are spiralling, the NHS is under threat, the, the whole cycle, we're going through the whole cycle again. And uh, I, I think that if they do do another national lockdown, what are they going to do? They've, they've called it Tier 4, which is basically lockdown they're going to call it tier five or maybe they should just call it just call them all bank holidays we've decided to give britain 30 consecutive bank holidays that's right christmas is carrying on everybody um yeah i one thing i did find one thing is i didn't eat as much as i would in normal years because i wasn't visiting as many houses and you know what it's like i spoke about this on the patreon only podcast that i did on the uh, 27th but you just, when you go around people's houses as a man of a certain age, you've got to deliver. People are looking to you as the, the new patriarch of the family to put away some serious food. I don't, I don't know why this is a, a merit for a, for a man. You know, I don't know what, if it's come from some sort of hunter-gatherer thing that we would need to know that the man was well-fed before he went off to catch another fucking bison or whatever it was. <laughs> I wouldn't have been catching no bisons. I would have been bringing back like, I would have been bringing back like animals that were already, clearly already dead. When I caught them, I would have come back and go, there you are, family, eat. They're going, this, yeah, this rabbit is dead. This was already dead. We saw it on the path the other day as we went to get water. It's been, I, I killed it. I killed the rest. It's a different rabbit. Eat, eat. Again, you know what? I'll stick with the berries. I had another thing as well, because obviously now we get, we get so much packaging at home with Amazon and food deliveries and all this sort of shit. Is that, um, have you had that thing where you thought you're missing the bin man? You know, when the, when you hear, like, my wife was out of the house and I just heard, I heard the sound, you know, the beep, beep, beep. Well, you know how it sounds. And I was like, fuck. But it's fine because it was the green bin. As we all know, it's like in the holy trinity of bins, it's like the holy trinity of fast food, you know, McDonald's, KFC, Burger King. The green bin is very much the Burger King of uh, of bins. No, you go, ah, fuck it. You know, it's sort of full, but we don't fill it up that often. But you miss that, you miss that grey one. Oh my god, that is that is panic. Do you know what I mean? The recriminations in the house. You know what I mean? But you, that's, that's your job. You you look at the notice board. That's your thing. I do the car insurance. You you do the bins. Anyway, speaking of the patron only episode, uh, we have new patrons over the Christmas period. I've got to say, Mike Richards, thank you very much, Mike. James Cartwright, who signed up on Christmas Eve, and Jonathan Lansana, who signed up on Christmas Day. I've got to think, Jonathan, that that was. That was eggnog, wasn't it? Just, you're having those Christmas drinks, you're feeling good, you're like, fuck it, you're like, you know at the end of uh, Christmas Carol, you're just like, oh, fuck it, Jeff Norcott can have a tenner. There you go, knock himself out. And then probably like when you see it come through in your bank account, you're going, what the fuck, how drunk was I on Christmas Day? Uh, we do do a podcast, uh, we do we do a podcast on this podcast, we do a cuss count on this podcast, but I'm going to say 
This is the last one that I'm going to do in full. Uh, I'm going to speak to David Domain who compiles these. And I'm in the market for new things to keep track of because I think we've kind of established the sort of numbers that we're seeing. <laughs> if anything, what we've proved that my swearing is, is very stable, certainly as a person on my own and when interviewing. Um, but we're looking at other things. Maybe it's the amount of times I say, do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Or, or amount of times that I just slag off Labour after promising to slag off the Tories. But if you've got any ideas on what we need to keep a track on in the podcast... Uh, do email me at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And that is for ideas for the podcast, but also letters, advice. Thanks for all the feedback about the episode with Romish. Usually the, the podcast is going to be about politics, cultural, social issues and stuff like that. But for the Christmas one, it was always going to be a bit of a laugh and uh, people seem to appreciate that one. And for the last cuss count in full, we will include Romish's numbers here. So for me... There was one arse, one cunts, seven fucks, one fucker, one fucked, 22 fuckings, one pricks, 11 shits, one shitbox. I think that's a debut appearance there. Maybe that's what we'll do is if there's debut swear words, if people notice a swear, a swear word that they don't think's been there before, we'll certainly keep up with that. And one shithole. And Romish, I think he's got record numbers here for a guest on what most people think. He went with one arse, one bollocking. I think that's also a debut Swear word, three bullshit, seven fucks, 15 fuckings, two turtled hens, and a butt, uh, one prick, 12 shits, 12 shits, that's high on the shit count compared to me, and one twat. Um, so thanks for Romish for that, and we have very exciting guests coming up with January in January, more of which to come later. So today's episode is the next instalment. Uh, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while will remember that our early last year, this year, whatever, you know, the year that just went, I did Mystic Jeff, where I made a bunch of predictions for the upcoming year. So this year, we're able to build on that. So we're going to be reviewing the predictions that I did make, and then we're also going to be uh, making a bunch of new outlandish predictions for politics, society, culture, entertainment for 2021. But just before we crack into that, a quick thank you and a fuck you. A thank you to my local kebab shop. I think this is the second time that they've had a thank you. But on the 27th, me and the missus got some unexpected babysitting and we decided to do what all, you know, people in uh, middle age would do is we got every single drink out of the drinks cabinet and tried to make our kitchen look like a cocktail bar because we're in tier four. And it went it, it went a bit curly, I must admit. Um, it turns out there's quite a lot of alcohol in cocktails anyway. I don't normally drink them, but certainly when you're an amateur and you're throwing them in, I was, uh, it was pretty wasted. So the following day, I just needed stodge. You know what that hangover is like? You get up, you're in a state of shock. <laughs> That's the first stage of any, it's like grief, isn't it? Shock, denial, anger, acceptance, shame. Shame is a big part of it, certainly when you're my age. And I just I just put all my eggs in the basket of, right, I'm just going to get through today. You know, I'm going to do what I need to do. And then this evening, I'm going to get burger and chips from the kebab shop. And it was just, it was just exactly what I needed to just knock me out before bed. It was, and the burger as well. I think I might have said this before, but it wasn't too much meat. I think, you know, in the foodie era that we all live in, People have got a bit obsessed with, like, what's the meat content? Uh, you know what? I don't want the meat content to be, like, 97%. That's just too, just too real. I, ultimately, we want a bit of... I don't want to know what it is, but we want a bit of nastiness in there. Uh, the fuck you is, where I live, there's been some flooding. So there's a couple of bridges near where I live, and they've shut them. And they have this gate that they shut at either end to stop people trying to drive through the flooded road, right? Which is... Because people do it, right? <laughs> people, because it, it's, it's the main route back into town where I live. And someone uh, in the middle of the night had opened the gate, right, 
opened the gate and then got stuck there because the water was high. Surprise, surprise. That might have been why the gate was stuck in the first place. And then had to call emergency services to come and get them out. I would pay... I tell you, if you there's any chance, right, that you know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to tell you exactly where I live, but I'll pay... I'll pay 600 quid for the, if you've got like a chest cam view of that. Because I just want to see the look on that person's face. Because you know what people are like. People can be arseholes. They just, they'll always come up with a reason for why they weren't being a prick. Um, and I just want to know whether or not, if that was me, if I'd done that, something that stupid, I, I think the only way here is to 100% hold my hands up and go, look, I'm a fucking idiot. But I bet you any money, especially if it was, especially, the thing is, when, when women get told off by the police, they take it a lot worse than men as well, because they're like, well, I, I had to go through that. I had to, um, I just, you know, I, it's not very clear, is it? <laughs> They'd have been pulling that shit. I just, I just don't think it's very clear at this, this time of night. And I just, you know, I just thought at night, maybe it was a different rule, rather than just saying, I'm an absolute twat. Sorry for wasting your time. Okay, let's get on firstly with a review of my predictions for 2020. Okay, so I listened back to the Mystic Jeff 2020 podcast. And the first thing I've got to say, right, is that I, I surprisingly, I got quite a bit right. I think, I think I deserve credit for that, given that the year was blown apart by a global pandemic. But before we get into the specifics of this, I came across this the other day, which I shared again on Twitter. But you want to, I made some pretty bold predictions on question time. So let's just have a quick listen to them now. Things, and I'll, I, you know, I've got on record, this will probably be the sort of thing that will bite me on the backside. But I think the, the economy will really motor this year. I think that the jobs market will remain buoyant. I think England are going to win Euro 2020. And, and look, I make, no apologies. I make no apologies for being optimistic. Right. Okay, so I would say, interestingly, that the only prediction there that got any sort of like mirth from the audience was the idea that England might win Euro 2020. But, you know, that was said, that was at the end of January. We just left the EU. Obviously, we were entering the transition period. And that was only really like six or seven weeks before COVID kind of kicked in. So that's basically me getting my excuse out of the way. Um, but I would, these are the things I was, some of the things I was right about. I was right about Keir Starmer. So I, I predicted at the end of January that he would win. Um, the Labour leadership election and uh, uh, good morning Mrs Long Bailey wouldn't quite <laughs> uh, figure or the Jess Phillips Jess Phillips remember her always being a bit dramatic come round my way Babs come round my way um, that they she wouldn't really figure that highly and also that despite going into that Labour leadership election everyone saying it was like high time that the party finally elected a female leader, the fact that they wouldn't elect a leader and everyone would just conveniently forget about it. Because it's okay when it's the left. If the Tories do something like that, it's because they're evil. Left do it, it's just because they wanted the right person at the right time. Uh, I was right about Labour continuing to trail in the polls and basically being critics of what the government are doing. I mean, Starmer has become a bit like a sort of... uh, He's, he's, like, he's like one of those guys on Soccer Saturday, isn't he? Kind of like uh, Charlie Nicholas or something sitting there going, I'll tell you what the PM's done wrong there. He's, uh, oh, look at that. He's got a deal. I'm not sure about this deal. Look, we'll go with it, whatever. But blah, I'm not too sure, Jeff. Another thing that I hinted at was that uh, Brexit will continue to pose more existential problems for Labour. Um, because, you know, the fact is, is that they... They, because of the makeup of their parliamentary party, they don't feel that comfortable representing the people who made them. Do you know what I mean? They, they, I was sort of thinking the other day, they were like a band who refused to play classics, you know, who refused to play all their classic hits at a gig. They're sort of like, the Labour are a bit like Noel Gallagher, aren't they? If he only played his high-flying bird stuff. 
You know, if I was going to Wonderwall, no, bit of Wonderwall. He's like, no, no, I'm, fine. I'm not really interested in that anymore. I just want to play all this. I did, I did this new acoustic track the other day. Like, fuck off, you twat. <laughs> we made you. I was sort of right about Trump. Because if it hadn't been, so I predicted that he, he would win. And at that point, you know, COVID wasn't an issue for the US. And I, I suppose maybe I'm being a bit too easy on myself if, if I say, or oh, if it hadn't been for COVID, he would have won. That's like saying, oh, if it hadn't been for Iraq, Tony Blair would still have a soul. You know, I'm not sure I can give myself that kind of latitude. Uh, I was definitely wrong about the appeal of Biden. I just thought at the time he was a pretty much a nothing candidate that didn't really satisfy. But what he, what he was, was he just presented himself as safe and nice, didn't he? You know, he, he, he didn't seem as senile in the campaign as I sort of thought he might. I don't know what kind of fucking drugs they were giving him, but he, he didn't sniff any hair. He just posted photos of himself with dogs. He, he, didn't, he didn't commit to any big policy. He, it, was just the, um, it was just the I'm not Donald Trump campaign, wasn't it? And meanwhile, Trump, you know, if he'd have, uh, if he'd have stopped being a dick at any point this year, he might have won it because you look at the overall amount of votes that he he won. It was uh, way in advance of what any political pundits thought he could score, given how the perception of his handling of COVID had played out. Um, yeah, if he did just gone back to his, you know, because that's what I said. I said at the beginning of the year, he should just go back to his kind of Trump cameo in film style Trump. You know, the big guy in the suit just appears says a couple of funny things and fucks off. You know, if he'd gone back to his kind of Home Alone Trump, or even when he made that rare appearance, <laughs> do you remember he appeared on Saint and Greavesy back in the day? I think, if I'm not mistaken, he he made the draw for the, like, third round of the Rumbelows Cup. So even if the Saint and Greavesy Trump had made an appearance, it would have uh, it would have helped. But, and this is the interesting thing, so, to, you know, Biden will become president, I think it's in January, the inauguration. When you look at the American figures on COVID now, right, there was a long time where they were being portrayed as the basket case of the world, and it's been used as an argument as to why Trump couldn't win a second term. Now, their deaths per million, which, by the way, is the only measure of how a country has performed. All these people just going death toll. What that means is, right, how can we dig out the countries that we want to dig out, i.e. America under Trump and Britain under Johnson, but both America and Britain have fallen out of the top 10. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, Britain, we could still get back in the Champions League places if we play our cards wrong. But, uh, but yeah, the States has, has, you know, has had a lot more benevolent time of it than other big economies at the moment. And, you know, their, their recession also is one of the smallest. So that's going to be interesting for the press to get their heads around is the idea that Donald Trump, despite everything they said, <laughs> you know, might have done an okay job on COVID, because this was what I said about him a lot during his presidency, was the things that he says are always worse than the things that he does. So for, you know, yeah, he made all those comments about bleach. I mean, you know, and that's what that's that's the problem with social media is that's the stuff that got, gets shared. And again, maybe I'm being too easy on Trump here. You know, you make one comment about injecting bleach and apparently you're the madman. What most people think. I also said that the power of social media would decline in 2020, and that was because because of Trump, because of Brexit, because of the Tories winning that surprise majority. I just thought that, you know, companies and people would start to realise that it was not an effective gauge of, you know, where the public are at. But I was I was wrong about that. I was wrong, as, you know, proved, you know, by Black Lives Matter. I mean, so much of that movement played out through social media. And I think that part of that was because it happened during a pandemic. So we suddenly was, were flipped back to living our lives out to wanting to feel something, to be involved in something. And it was all coming through our laptops 
and our phones. But I was one thing I was right about was about how the cultural establishment would double down with wokeness and you know diversity. And I specifically mentioned adverts and television. And you know, any, I mean, it's starting to get taken the piss out by people on the left now. Is that when a company are like, shit, how can we, you know, <laughs> mixed race couple? Yeah, they just they they've really they've really hammered that um, this year. We're we're to now to the point where the most radical thing an advertiser could do is just have like a, just a white couple. <laughs> and they, they go fucking, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, Morrison's really, really pushing the boundaries with this uh, white couple there. So they, they've certainly done that with adverts and with television. And look, you know, diversity in itself is, is, is what all broadcasters and, you know, roughly trying to have television and adverts reflect the makeup of who exists in society, whether they be black, white, I'm not going to do that thing, yellow or purple. Remember that when your when your parents used to try to tell you they weren't racist, but then would make up a colour, you know, or someone who was choking to death, you know. I don't care if you're black, white, blue or green. But, so diversity, I think, is is a good thing. It, it makes sense, especially for public service broadcasters. What, it, what certainly can seem odd is, is this huge overcorrection where you start to portray the breakdown of society in a way that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. And I think that that, you know, has happened this year. I was right about Cummings getting edged out, wasn't I? I said that just like Trump with Steve Bannon, and I'm not saying Cummings is anything, you know, exactly like Steve Bannon, but I said that over the course of the year that Cummings would get edged out and eventually go. Now, I'll be honest, it happened a lot later than I thought it would and in slightly different circumstances. But it was, it was weird, wasn't it? You know, that the Boris sort of stood by him at the point where it'd be easiest to let him go and then kind of fired him at the point of... Uh, least political gain but um it is funny when you think back on the year that Cummins had like that you know the, the press scrum around his house when he drove to Durham and then drove to Barnard Castle because let's be honest it's sort of thrown in as the same thing but him actually driving to Durham they couldn't really land anything on him so it's this fact that during that stay that he drove to Barnard Castle like yeah he probably shouldn't have done it and I thought he should have resigned but fuck me man when you think how bad it got like you remember when like Cummings was just bowling out of his house like a Gallagher brother going hey fuck off you fucking Dominic Cummings me and at the time when like the press were you know talking to him about him being a risk to the public and then there they were just literally fucking climbing over each other like they were playing Frogger just to get a better shot of him in his house with his kids it was it was a bit bizarre and then you had all those uh all those journalists in the uh, that garden when he was in that little trestle table, looking like he was judging a freshly <laughs> homemade lemonade competition, right? And they all came up one by one, and lo and behold, one of those journalists eventually was caught breaking COVID rules herself. Who would who would have thought it? I mean, this is one thing I think about, like journalists and the left, is what they don't realise about the moral high ground, right? Is there's only one way to exit it, <laughs> right? Is fucking face first. You know what I mean? Just diving, just landing, belly flopping. I, this is what I like about the moral low ground in comedy is I, I'm set up here. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm set up here. The people don't expect much of me. You know, and as, as I said on Twitter this week, there was all that spat about Frankie Boyle and Ricky Gervais. The, the only hypocrisy that I could be found guilty of is the fact that I secretly give lots of money to charity. And then, as ever, being Twitter, being Twitter, people say, well, if you just said it, then it's not secret. Yeah, maybe that was the fucking joke, you idiot. Final prediction that I made for 
uh, in 2020 on Mystic Jeff was that I was right about there being a trade deal. As I said all year long, that when the vested interests are so high on either side, the most likely thing is that they'll find some way through it. Uh, I'll be honest, there was a point this year where I started to doubt that myself, and maybe that was a success of the Boris Johnson government, was to genuinely give that impression that we were going to go for the cliff edge, right? The cliff edge of no deal, which as I talk, as I talk, uh, they're debating the bill in Parliament, and the people that called it a cliff edge are now going to vote against the deal. But more of that coming up. Um, but yeah, we're an independent coastal state now, man. Anything, anyone else think that sounds a bit stonerish, you know? We just like this uh, independent coastal state. It's very, very hard to square that with what Britain is because I'm just independent coastal state. Sort of makes me think of uh, Patrick Swayze and Point Break, right? And yeah, when it came to it, it was this very weird situation where you got the sense that some of the hardcore remainers, like the FBPE types, they sort of wanted no deal because that was the way that they felt they could be proved most right about everything. And Equally, the rock and roll Brexiteers, I think they secretly wanted a deal. They'd gone all the way going, yeah, fucking don't, let's go WTO. And you just see them nervously looking at the currency markets going, yeah, yeah, yeah let's go WTO. Oh, I've been saying this for four and a half years. I'm fucking shit in the bed now. I hope we get a deal. What's that? Yeah, fucking, yeah, no deal, these bastards. Take that, Europe. Fucking hell, what's happening with the pound? What's happening? <laughs> I think there was a lot of double speak going on. I think almost everybody in the middle wanted a deal. You know, lots of polling showed that that was what most people thought. And, you know, one thing I have not realised is that, is that sovereignty, which was the main benefit of Brexit, right, which was what most people voted for. That was the highest in all the polls. I just get it now. I get it that some people don't understand that or see that that is important, right? When you say sovereignty, it's like you're mentioning some sort of like old antiquated Arthurian principle where you go, <laughs> they just don't, they just don't care. They just don't care. And I, I can, I can accept that. You know, when they start giving it the old, tell me one benefit, tell me one benefit of Brexit. And you tell them like three or four and they'll go, all right, tell me a different one benefit than the ones that you just did. Cause I'm dismissing them. Cause I don't agree with them. Tell me one benefit. And you thought, you know what, maybe, maybe you're right. In the initial aftermath of Brexit, there was this kind of argument of you lost, get over it. But I think, you know, the Brexiteers have won. And I think now it's a case of you won, get on with it. Okay, so that's the recap there of the predictions for 2020. We'll crack on with 2021 in a minute. But just a quick hype here is about the Patreons. Uh, just, just so you know... Uh, if you join up, there's loads of uh, previous content up there, as well as regular now uh, Patreon-only episodes. We've got stand-up sets that aren't released anywhere. You know, my whole traditionalism show, I think it's like a 30, 40-minute version of it. Uh, there's the whole there's the whole set. A lot of people have spoke to me about that set I did at Comedy Unleashed, where I somehow managed to get out in October, November and do a set. The whole 20-minute set of that is available. There's articles. Uh, so that is just the moment you sign up to it. Um, that is available to all, to all tiers. And then, of course, there are more tier benefits as you go through it. Uh, top tier benefits are that, you know, you can pose questions when I've got special guests like we did with Ramesh Ranganathan. And I don't get questions from anybody else. I only take those uh, from the top tier. Another top tier one is new material nights. And trust me, given that it doesn't seem like I'll be able, I've got to start a tour in April, right? <laughs> and it doesn't seem like I'll probably be able to get out until March. It may be that there's one or two new material nights coming up in January and February. Uh, the tour... The sellouts are racking up now, so I just I know I keep wanging on about it, but a lot of them are going to be at least for now uh, socially distanced and reduced capacity. So make sure that you get involved uh, in those. One thing that can't sell out, but you would be doing me a favour if you bought it, is a pre-order of my book. I've done it again. Where did I go right? How I ended up right? 
Fucking hell. Something to do with writing this, okay? But the book is written, and uh, I had to do the audio book just before Christmas. And I, you know, I don't normally, you know, sort of like kiss my own ass here, but it's a good book. I thought it was funny. I was like, yeah, this Jeff Norcott's a fucking good author. Where can I pre-order it? Where you go, well, you can pre-order it on Amazon, but if you are sort of against giving even more of your money to Jeff Bezos, given that your wife is currently getting... I was going to get... <laughs> Gonna say that your wife's getting six packages a day, hey, hey, hey! I bet she is, lucky girl. Okay, so now we're on to some more predictions for 2021 here, and let's hope they're every bit as accurate as the one I made on Question Time. First up is, as I said earlier, we're, we're discussing, debating the uh, trade deal with the EU in the Commons right now, and people will say, when trade Labour vote for it, people will say, "Oh, well, I'm done. I'm done with Labour. I'm done." Just like they were done with Labour under Corbyn, just like they've been done with Labour after Iraq. And they won't be done with Labour. They'll be done with Labour right up until the next opportunity to vote Labour. Whenever the next time is they have to put their vote on a cross, they'll go back to voting Labour because that that's how they feel good about themselves. They bowl out of there, they go, have a little sniff, yep, how do I still feel? Yeah, that moral superiority is still there. So I just I just don't buy it whatsoever. We have a two-party system in this country, and you just need to get your head around it. And, you know, people act like the Lib Dems. I mean, are they still coming? Has anyone, have they been furloughed or something? I, they, they they will become even more irrelevant. There will always be some people that will vote Lib Dem. I think it's a bit like, you know, print media. You know, people that still want to buy like a physical newspaper. There'll always be some people. That, well, who knows? Maybe the Lib Dems might just jack it in. That'd be funny, wouldn't it? In 2021, Lib Dems have just called it a day. <laughs> They just go, yeah, we just, yeah, weren't really going anywhere, was it? I mean, a bit embarrassing with the old Swinson thing where we said she'd be the next prime minister. We kind of fucked up in, you know, being called Democrats and then, you know, talking about revoking something that was democratically voted for. So we're just, we're just going to call it a day. That's it. So the Lib Dems will continue to be on 5 6%, as they always are. Uh, as the reality of economic hardship kicks in, uh, Labour will edge ahead in the polls, right? And then what happens is those Labour voters that were done with Brexit will sniff an opportunity to vote Boris out at some point and they'll, they'll come back to the party. Now, the SNP were going to have an interest in 2021 because they will come up against the paradoxes in their own existence, right? She's arguing, Sturgeon is arguing that, that this deal leaves Britain worse off. Then she's going to have to campaign for something that will palpably leave Scotland worse off in relation to both Britain and the EU. It's going to be a hard line for her to track. There's already a lot of SNP MPs uh, tweeting stuff that just sound fucking mental. I mean, don't get me wrong. Over the years, the Brexiteers have had to tweet some fairly contradictory shit. But the SNP, they're like in, they're in double contradiction. I don't even know where their heads are at. And I think that this pressure is going to tell on Sturgeon. I think she's going to crack. I think she's going to crack. I think there'll be an interview when that anger that she's got, the anger that we all know will come to the surface. I think maybe like Nick Robinson or something will be interviewing her on the Today Show and he'll ask a question you'll just hear go, fuck off you, you bastard. And he'll go, I'm, I'm sorry, what, what sorry, first minister, did you just call me a wee bastard? Yeah, yeah, yeah I fucking did. I fucking did, you wee bastard. Instead of me, I'll come over and fucking put one between. She will, <laughs> and I'm not just making this stereotype about all Scottish people being aggressive. I just think she's got it. Do you know what I mean? And that, you know, partly that is a credit to her. She's tough. She's just going to crack, right? She's just going to crack. And I think what happened is the, you know, for a while now, the yes to independence numbers in Poland have been quite high. But as the pandemic eases, and as hopefully the realities of leaving the EU are more benevolent than some people thought, 
Um, it, the no vote will creep back up. I don't think it will get parity because being asked hypothetically, it's much easier to say, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it's right to West Monster. Fuck you. So without the actual reality of a vote, it's much easier to say yes. But that will make her, the, the rise in no vote will make her go more nationalistic. And then she'll just, she'll go, she'll she'll do something weird. She'll quote like, uh, she'll quote something from Braveheart as though it's historical facts. <laughs> Sorry, First Minister, have you just quoted something that Alan Rickman said as though it was something that was said in the recent past by a Tory? But hey, have a did you, wee bastard? Hey, what about it? Uh, <laughs> and she'll just go super Scottish. She'll try and have like, um, she'll try and have like uh, Mrs. Doubtfire banned for racial appropriation. <laughs> The Tories are going to tax the middle classes, all right? I've been thinking about this. Like, where's the money to pay for this fucking... I mean, Jesus, frightening, isn't it? The amount that we spent on this pandemic. But where's the money going to come from? Well, I don't think that there's any room to carry out any more austerity on the on the poorly paid. Um, there's no scope to tax wealth creators because we left the EU. We want to make it an appealing environment. Tories are going to look around and think, we've been, we've been giving people money, right? And you might think, well, no, they've been paying their wages. That is not the way... A true conservative would see it, right? Giving these fuckers money, right? We can't, we can't tax, we can't do any more austerity on the poor, all right? It's annoying. Um, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, they can't raise income tax either because Labour will then kind of grab that and go, see, they've raised income tax, they said they wouldn't, even though that, that, that is what Labour would do immediately when they got in power. Uh, they can't, you can't do anything more with like investment properties. They've already made having a rental flat seem worse than kind of laundering Nazi gold. So what can they do? They might, I suppose VAT is always an option. It's still at 20% though, isn't it? Maybe they might charge like entrance fees for because they'll, they'll want to go for the middle classes, I reckon, because the middle classes are where they've lost the most support as well. Most of that support has gone to labour. So they might like mandate entry fees at Waitrose, right? <laughs> they might just start really taxing the fuck out of things that middle class people enjoy, like skiing, or Bromptons, those little fold-away bikes that those those guys love. They'll just start doing that, won't they? They might they might do a one-off wealth tax, I think, um, for companies who excelled in the pandemic. Because obviously Amazon have done all right. You know, it's, it's good. I just, I'm just really pleased for Amazon. I'm really glad that those guys finally caught a break, right? When When is something going to go their way in terms of market conditions? Oh, yeah, a pandemic. That, that means people have to do all their shopping online. Now, obviously, if you were a tinfoil hat brigade, you think, hang on, Jeff Bezos has done really well out of this. He invented the pandemic. Uh, I don't think it's quite like that. But what they might do is they might talk about like a one-off tax for companies that have posted profits in the pandemic. You know, we've all moved a bit left economically. That doesn't sound like, well, maybe I could live with a one-off. If they made out that it was a one-off, that might be a way of reassuring their donors, right? All the rich guys, well, I'm a wealth tax, wealth tax. I'm very conservative. I'm not even back for Jeremy Corbyn by the back door. You know, back door Corbyn, as I used to call him at private school. <laughs> um, so what they'll do is there'll be some fudge. The, Boris obviously will talk it up initially because he can't just fucking like play down expectations. And then and then it'll end up it'll end up being right. They'll come up some deal. We've got a great deal for Britain. Everybody in Britain is getting a one hundred pound voucher from Jeff Bezos. Basically, Jeff Bezos has become like your rich grandparent who can't be asked to buy you a physical present. What most people think. COVID. So long COVID is a medical condition, but I think that the real long COVID will be the extent to which the state can intervene in your business. Because this year, under a conservative government, as I've said, a lot of people quoted this back to me. Jeff, do you regret, do you regret voting for a Tory government? I'm like, I regret not getting one, okay? There hasn't been much conservative about... 
the Tories this year. And this is what makes me laugh about the SNP and certain Labour MPs not voting for the trade deal. Is This year, the Conservatives have had to embrace aspects of socialism. You'd think that some parties would embrace aspects of pragmatism, but there you go. But we're already seeing... Now, because this idea of health and its effect on COVID, but if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure that obesity has been fully proven to be a comorbidity. I might be wrong. Uh, email me at whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com. And if I am wrong, I'll ignore it and carry on like I was right. But the Department of Health have banned, already done this, they've banned certain meal deals. And it get it gets cheered on by the left, right? Of course, the same people that are attacking like Paul Embry, Julia Hartley Brewer, uh, fascists, right, or, or authoritarian. When when actual authoritarianism happens, they've uh, fuck all to say about it, right? And they kind of go, no, I do believe in personal responsibility, but people just make people make shit decisions. Go, yeah, that's part of personal responsibility is to make a shit decision and then have to own the consequences because owning the consequences is how we grow as people, right? But, but why is it always the meal deals as well, isn't it? Why is it always the cheap, fun food? You know what I mean? Meal deal is a great word. People love the word meal, meal deal. It reminded me of when, remember, remember when Corbyn said, like, oh, Britain will become like the bargain, the bargain bucket of, of Europe. And everyone's like, hey, we don't mention bargains, mate. Everyone loves a bargain. Who doesn't love a meal deal? But yeah, no one gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck. No one ever asks how many calories in one of Heston Blumenthal's freeze-dried fucking turkey sort of with Earl Grey and meringue in. <laughs> You know, it's always it's always an attack on, on the food that is used by people on, on low incomes, isn't it? Because they just don't think that, you know, they should be left to their own devices. I tell you something, if the McDonald's 99p saver menu goes, I will march. I will march. Because I'm worried. I'm worried about the incursions into our civil liberties that will be affected by COVID. Because you watch out, these lifestyle prefects, prefects, they were already around before COVID. And now they will be coming fully jacked up. With, they've got their badge now. They've got their moral authority and they'll be coming for you. And people talk about fascism in this country. I'll tell you something, the only fascism you'll ever see in Britain is food fascism. Okay, You'll see people getting yanked out of KFC for requesting an extra side of gravy. That's what you're going to see. They go, sorry, there'll just be some like kind of secret police type skinny person in there. They go, yeah, can't just have a bit more gravy of that. It's just something, what the fuck, get off me, government's a free country. And everyone just avert their eyes because they think, Jesus Christ, yeah, that's not me. I was, I was about to ask for an extra side of gravy. I'm just going just gonna to pretend it's not going to happen. And, but I've seen a lot of my friends go disappearing, especially the fat ones. Uh, <laughs> or, or like you'll be going in a, a drive through and there'll be like those little, you know, like how the military have shutters that come up out of the ground. They'll just do number... <laughs> They'll do number plate recognition on you. Like, it'll just come up and then just suddenly you just get pulled out of the car and <laughs> your kid will be screaming. I'll go, just, just look after him, babe. Just look after him. Oh, daddy will be back. Daddy will be back. And they'll take you to some sort of re-education centre about food, you know, and you'll come back skinny as fuck and, you know, like you just have some weird, you'll start sweating every time you get around something that's high in salt or fat, you know, like they'll have given you some chemical that actually makes you sick. You know how they do with alcoholics. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm not exaggerating at all here. Is this one of your predictions for 2021, Jeff? Yes, I believe that there'll be re-education centres for fat people. So what will happen as we've, as we've properly left the EU now is that people, there'll be a certain percentage of people that will continue to seek validation for Remain. So what's going to happen, this is going to happen very soon, is that any evidence of trouble trouble at ports or any kind of like supply line things are going to be seized upon by the media. That might be some of them are meaningful, might be some of them are less so, 
you know, but that will be now. Because people don't want to be wrong in the fullness of time, even though it's been said all along that there will be, you know, short-term disruption caused when we actually leave the EU. People will be kind of like, and, and what will happen is there'll be some of them that will be um, justifiable, but there'll be some that will just reinforce how fucking, <laughs> how middle-class the perception of the Remain movement was. It'll just be like someone will just take a picture of like, there'll be no shallots. <laughs> uh, Waitrose, there'll be no shallots go thank you very much leavers hashtag there'll be some sort of hashtag that you can use every time you want to tweet something that's not there that you want it there'll also be people that are just going you know there'll be some story that will go you know my 18 year old daughter uh, Winifred was supposed to be she just said to me can I go can I go and study in Lisbon and I said no because of because of racists thank you very much leavers and then of course you know the the you know, the right to go live and work in other countries is a meaningful right. But the problem is, is historically, it was only ever taken advantage of by quite a small um, subset of people. And now, you know, they'll talk about the fact that the Erasmus scheme, it comes to an end, which was a European exchange between British and European students. But then there's this Turing scheme, this Turing scheme where Brits can go all over the world. And that's just carefully being glossed over that fact. Now, I hope that that wasn't just Boris Bluster because it did seem a little bit convenient. <laughs> like, I must admit, right, I try not to be too blinkered in my support, you know, in, in terms of the way that my bias comes out. But the Turing scheme did sort of sound like, um, yeah, that's they're probably going to kick off about the Erasmus thing. What could we do? How about a student thing that wasn't just European, but everywhere? What are we going to call it? Oh, what, what do all the liberals like? They like sinists, don't they? Is there, is there a gay scientist? Alan Turing. Yeah, the film, wasn't it? Fucking Cumberbatch. The Turing Scheme. Let's call it the Turing Scheme. You can go, you can study fucking science in Japan and have, have a gay love affair with uh, samurai or something. Yeah, let's just put that one out there. Then any economic hardship will be linked inextricably uh, with Brexit. Because we, we already saw that people tried to conflate the effects of a pandemic uh you know, the fact that we had a, a UK variant here and then, uh, you know, France shut the ch the tunnel and they're going, see, this is... Even Guy Verhofstadt, who's a senior EU politician, was sort of saying, yeah, this is how shit goes down when you're leaving the EU. Yeah, this is how shit goes down in a pandemic, Guy. You fucking... I mean, there are some people... I thought Ursula von der Leyen, when she made that speech, once a trade deal had been agreed, it was just a reminder how some of the old farts at the top of the EU were not helpful in the, in the process of leaving. She made a nice speech... You know, Boris made a reasonably nice one back. He made a little trolley comment about oven-ready deals. But broadly speaking, it was all quite conciliatory. Can you imagine if Juncker, if that had been Juncker, he'd have gone on, fucking pissed up, you know. <laughs> he tried to grope Ursula von der Leyen, I think. They wouldn't have both been there, Jeff. It doesn't matter. This is my fictional situation here. And yet, it will all get conflated. It will all get conflated. Do you notice how quickly as well people were willing to call it the UK variant, even though it's present in other countries, right? Same people that would never have called it the Chinese virus. And then you had it play, then you had it trending online, Plague Island. They were calling Britain. Just everything in Britain is terrible. We're hated. We're hated all around the world. And you'll get this now. You'll get people tweeting stories of when they do go abroad, when the pandemic lifts. They go, yeah, I've just been travelling around South America. And people think we're mad. They do. They think we're mad. Everyone I met. Everyone I met. What you mean by that is anyone that was willing to talk to you long enough and fucking humour you in a cafe because you were spending money there was just nodding along going, yes, yes, it's Britain. Great. Do you want more? Do you want more of it? Do you want more? Do you want uh, dessert? Um... <laughs> There'll be lots of this. Yeah, I just, I just uh, went back to my... It's just so sad. I just went back to my favourite little uh, my favorite little bistro 
in uh, one of the really working class areas of Paris because I don't really stay in the same I go to a working class area and he just said just said he said uh, je, je suis je, je regret that's all he said he said to me je regret and uh, you know it could have been that he didn't actually have any uh, tables available for dinner reservations but I just took it as Brexit related and look I, I don't want to troll the Remainers too much because this is the thing right if you get what you want you have to be magnanimous and there will be plenty of boosterish stuff from the Brexit side as well They'll talk about shit like in April. They'll point about they'll point out that economic activity is like twenty eight percent higher than it was at this time last year, and everyone will go, yeah. There was also uh, we're all under house arrest at the same point last year. So they're going to be there's going to be plenty of uh, stuff from Boris. There's going to be plenty of metaphors, and we there will be more disagreements at the moment because we're signing the treaty. Everyone's being quite polite with each other, but. You know, I don't think it's done. Do you know what I mean? There's still things yet to be agreed. There's still more negotiations. But thankfully, the main bit of it is done. And what we'll see from the sensible people in the Remain movement is you'll see the first fragments of rejoin. But it won't be like, let's rejoin the EU because, well, they went down that road and it didn't really end up very well. So it will be, it will be, there's a, it will be geared towards, there's a five-year review and it will be geared towards that. Because at that point, we could apply to rejoin areas of the European projects, right? The single market, customs union. So I think that that in earnest will start and they will think, well, we'll have had another general election by then. Labour may well have won it. So that will be, I think, that's my prediction where the Remain movement will go. If they've got any sense, will be geared towards that five-year review. Okay, let's talk about something a bit show busy now. Meghan and Harry. Meghan and Harry. Will we see the first cracks this year? Because something's going to happen there, I think. Something will happen. His life has changed a lot in a very short space of time. You know, not, not long ago, this geezer's flying Apache helicopters, shooting bad guys, getting pissed up in Vegas, wearing Nazi uh, fancy dress. And now, now he's in LA doing podcasts with Rylan. <laughs> you know what he's going to be like? I, I don't know if you ever saw the thing old school. Do you ever see Old School? Uh, is a film with Ad Will Frelin, and there was a character called Frank the Tank, right? And Frank was a guy that was a real party animal once upon a time, and then he uh, then he settled down with a real kind of girl next door, suburban mom type. But one night he goes out and he has a beer, and then Frank the Tank makes an astonishing return. He has one beer, cut forward like four hours later, he's done a few bongs, done shots. The geezer is running naked down the street. I think Harry, when he goes, he's going to go really hard. It, you'll see like little cracks in the dam. He'll be like in an interview. He'll just say something like, uh, <laughs> help, I'm trapped. Like just something weird, like like his old man. You know, like when his old man said about Diana, like, you know, love, whatever love means. It would just, there'd be some little thing. Go, Didn't he just say, help, I'm trapped? And she'll just look at him like, yeah, that was a bit of script, motherfucker. You're going to get, could be some punishment for, punishment beating for that when we get back to the house. And then, you know, she's, he'll just, he'll just, Say something vacuous as well, you know. Just say LA's, you know, it's more vacuous than I thought it would be. And she'll be saying, and she'll be like, <laughs> hand on his knee. We know what I, th- what I think Harry meant to say was uh, that you know it can be, but you know when you're doing social activism like we are, then you know maybe it's brilliant, isn't it, Harry? It, how brilliant is it? There you go. He's back on message. Harry's back in the room. He's gonna do something. He's gonna, you know, he'll be here like at some fancy. Uh, catwalk thing like the Met Gala you know that thing where you get all the for some reason it's okay for women like really hot women to walk around in their underwear because it's high fashion and he's going to get up on stage he'll just get pissed up he'll try and start a conga and it'll be really weird it'll come out of nowhere it will seem to have come out of nowhere and she'll make him into go like go into some sort of weird modern rehab like idea rehab or 
toxic masculinity <laughs> rehab and he'll come out and he'll be dead behind the eyes for a while but eventually he'll, he'll end up squirreling a message back to the queen uh the, the royal the royal air force will do <laughs> will dispatch like uh chinook and they'll, they'll, they'll basically bring him back in at RAF Bryce Norton. They'll decompress him. Then the royal family will get their claws back into him. This poor fella, he'll just go from one extreme back to another. And before we know it, he'll be back in active service in the Falklands. OK, so those are my Mystic Jeff predictions for 2021. Do you think I'm, do you think I'm on the ball or do you think I'm way off? If you want to take issue with those and make a... Any predictions of your own, email whatmostpeoplethinkuk at gmail.com if you want any personal dilemmas or relationship issues solved. And it just remains for me in this episode to um, to have a look at the reviews, see if there's any more new reviews. If you leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I'll read it out. And there's no new reviews since 13th of December. Well, that is absolutely fine. As you know, regular listeners will know that I'm very at ease with that. But I just want to say, man, listen, doing the podcast this year uh, during the pandemic, making it go weekly and with the help of the patrons, it being ad free, it's become my favorite thing that I do uh, in my job. So if you've enjoyed it this year, you know, if, if things are a bit tight financially, just just recommend it. That's all I can ask is recommend it. Big it up on social media, uh, all that sort of stuff. And um, well, I would say, you know, have a great start to the new year. But let's let's just be honest. That's what, you know, part of the point of this podcast is it's fucking not going to be, is it? <laughs> <laughs> locked in my houses again. I don't know if, if you're like me, you're in a bit of a state of denial at the moment, but I'm sort of thinking, oh, well, you know, it's been nice to have some time off, but it'd be good to get back to normal on January the 2nd. And then part of my brain's going, it won't be normal. It'll be just like this, Jeff. It'll be exactly the same. He said, this time, it'll be worse because it'll be colder. You won't have Christmas to look forward to. And then you're going to have to take heroin. I mean, you did well not to take it last year. But I think this is the year that you'll finally give in and take some smoke. Or maybe open Okay, 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 okay.